0: Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast, brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 274, recorded live on Saturday, September 22nd, 2012. And here are your hosts. The man who was originally in the Eastern Time Zone, but is now in the Central Time Zone, Dave Pillay. Hey! The man who is still in the Eastern Time Zone, Andy Lowe. Hi. And our guest this week the man who was also originally in the eastern time zone but is now on the pacific time zone mike ganade with indie game stand hello mike hey guys
1: so we've been trying to get mike on for the last week and a half or so
0: uh-huh.
1: and it's uh, finally happened we're really excited to have you here mike thank you for joining us
2: yeah, thank you guys for having me. I'm so sorry about messing it up. It's just been, I mean, as you can imagine, it's been pretty crazy. Um,
1: yeah, so Mike is very kind, not only agreeing to join us, but agreeing to join us a full four days before the launch of his new, well, would you call it a, it's not really a product, it's more of a storefront than anything else.
2: Yeah, I would I, I would call it like a storefront and promotional, you know, spotlight, I guess, if you will. I think that's sort of yeah. what for best.
1: So launching in four days on September 26th,
2: yep so
1: what in the world has possessed you to take the time to talk with us
2: well i I guess the good thing is is that uh that first week after our pre-launch stuff we did hammer out a lot of the bugs and everything else so you know part of the reason we waited and did this sort of two-week preview is just so we could make sure we had everything working correctly we sort of did a crunch to get the pre-launch stuff ready to go. So, you know, all the registration stuff's working. We tested all the payment processing stuff. So it really should just be a matter of, you know, setting that first game up and putting it up there Uh, and everything should go smoothly. So, you know, it hasn't been too crazy here. It's just, you know, the craziest thing now is organizing all the developers and getting them scheduled, really.
1: So let's talk a a little bit about what Indie Game Stand is. Um, The way I kind of interpreted this was it's a storefront. It involves elements from things like Woot.com and other daily deal sites, Uh, involves elements of Kickstarter, and involves elements of the Humble Indie Bundle.
2: Yeah, I think all of those comparisons are fair. Basically, the basic concept of Indie Game Stand is we're going to have a new game, a new indie game uh, spotlighted on our homepage that'll be available for a pay-what-you-want sale for only four days. So, you know, obviously that's very similar to like Woot or Groupon where there's very limited sales, but everyone's featured on the homepage. But there are certainly bundling aspects, and the pay-what-you-want thing is certainly borrowed from Humble Bundle. But we're hoping that by sort of having a continuous stream of games that we've handpicked, you know, that will allow more indie developers to get in on, you know, some of the success that the Humble Bundles had. Obviously, they've got sort of stricter requirements than we do as far as, you know, what types of games they accept. And there are certainly elements of Kickstarter because all we require to get your game up on our site is some sort of playable, you know, alpha or beta. And, you know, obviously it needs to be pretty fun um, for us to handpick it. But as long as you have a decent game or something in the works, we definitely want to highlight it and spotlight it. Uh, we actually have some alphas and betas, you know, already in the lineup coming up pretty close. You know, they'll be in the first week of launch probably. So
0: I'm glad you said handpicked by you guys because saw the whole problem with um, Steam Greenlight when that first came out.
2: Yeah, um, that's, there's been a lot of conflict with that. You know, I mean, it's just been really important for us to make our platform flexible. You know, everything's very self-service, so there's a whole developer portal where developers can log in, write their game description, upload their game files, upload their Steam to keys. you know, add videos, add bonus materials, you know, and eventually... We're going to have the charity thing. Right now we have to select the charities manually based on what the developer says, but we're building a database and eventually the developer will be able to pick their charity and ask for a specific date to be featured. And then we'll be approving those dates um, based on the games. But our submission process, you know, if people submit their game to us. It's not, you're automatically let in. Uh, we look at everything um, and play everything. If we're not familiar with it, um, watch the video and make sure it's something that we think is worthy of being spotlighted because we don't want to go down this path of being like a shovelware. So you know, obviously that's a huge
1: pitfall. Are you concerned? I mean, you know, there are certainly a lot of indie developers, but if you have a measure of quality and you have, you're, you're looking at a measure of quality, you're looking at, we're only going to allow certain things in. Are you worried at all about running out of games?
2: Uh, not really. <laughs> um... I I was initially sort of when we originally had the concept and, you know, we always said internally that we wanted at least 20 games sort of ready to go. You know, at least 20 games sort of in the pipeline before we launched so we wouldn't have to scramble to like get a quality game. But we have like more than enough. You know, I mean, I think we have more. We've got enough now in the portal already, I think, for the first year. (laughs) Wow. Now, you know, are all those games going to, you know, are all those developers going to get their games ready and sign the agreement in a timely fashion? I don't know, but I think we've got a really good group to, to choose from, so I'm, I, that's something I was worried about, but, you know, as we've worked on this and as we've gone through it for the last couple of months, um, you know, we've had developers in our developer portal, I think, for almost two months now, giving us feedback on all the features and everything, so you know, now that we've sort of done that and we've opened the lines of communication up with a lot of them, and, and you know, for the most most part a lot of the indie developers we have have two or three games and are really excited about it you know i think we'll be fine as far as you know selecting the stuff you know now we've gone through this process of labeling each game you know are reviewing it and sort of saying okay based on our team what do we think this game is is an a game a b game or a c game so we've been going through that list of a hundred so games trying to figure out and schedule everything now you're talking about
0: you and your team who else is uh, a part of this
2: so the other uh, owner of, of the uh, Indie Game Stand company, the company that owns Indie Game Stand, is uh, someone who I know personally through a connection to my best friend. It's it's his brother-in-law. His name is uh, Dan Liebner, and he actually created a site called smackjeeves.com uh, when he was in high school. Um, it's like a webcomic hosting type site and has been really, really successful, and he's basically just like ridden that train all through high school and college. Just collecting the like advertising revenue from that site. I sort of knew that he had done this site, and I talked to him about this idea, and it was something that he was interested in doing. So you know, we sort of went into it as partners to develop to develop the site. And you know, he's more of like a coder, programmer. I'm more of the business end of things, you know, developer communications, uh, etc.
1: So my next question is: You're focusing on indie games, which is really awesome because there's a lot of cool stuff coming out from independent developers. What are you defining as an indie Indie game.
2: Yeah, so my definition for an indie game, you know, the first of all that's a sort of very a big trap question because everyone's definition about what makes an independent game indie is uh very different. But one of the things the definition I've always revolved around and I've always liked is that an indie game is from a group of people, you know, it can be you know an, a a one person team to a five, six, eight person team that makes a game without taking funding from a publisher. So what that means is, you know, it's not not uh, Call of Duty Four, where you know Activision is giving uh, you know that studio, whichever studio is developing that next Call of Duty game, you know millions of dollars in budget and support um, to pay the salaries of the developers. Um, where there's regular meetings with the publisher to make sure um, you've got features that are important for the marketing team, et cetera, et cetera. You know, indie game is a game made entirely independent of that publishing process. You know, just for the sake of making a game, you know, for yourself, your company, or just as a hobby. So that's sort of the definition. I've always revolved around, but it is certainly getting trickier. I mean, that definition is is tough, and there are tons of indie games out there that are sort of indie, but not really, but I don't want to totally monopolize this podcast and get into that discussion.
0: Now, I was looking at this. You had a link to Indie Game Magazine. Is that site going to be kind of the controller? Of Indie Game Stand,
2: they are completely separate companies, but obviously uh, I'm involved with both, and uh, a lot of the ideas for Indie Game Stand came out of me working at the magazine and interacting with indie developers. So I guess they're affiliated, you know, just since I'm since I'm owned and involved in both, and we certainly have team members on the magazine who will be helping us hand select games and things like that. Um, but they are separate companies.
0: Okay. Now I was also curious about this because we've had past couple of years the PAX ten in game finalists that Penny Arcade always does every year. We've had yeah. them on there, and we've noticed that there a lot of them have been from all over the world. Have you been noticing any pockets of indie developers, or you know, it's just everybody coming out of the woodwork from everywhere?
2: I mean, regionally, I would say just because of the nature of the West Coast and how many people are proficient in coding out in, like, Silicon Valley. I would say that's, like, a hot spot. So, like, the San Francisco area is probably a hotter spot for, you know, some great indie game developers. And, um, you know, Austin, Texas a little bit to an extent. But, I mean, they're all from all over. I mean, you know, there's great indie game developers. And, you know, Scandinavia, for me, is sort of like a huge pocket of great developers. Obviously, that's where Mojang and, and, uh, you know, Minecraft came from. But there's also people like Eric Svidang, you know, who made Blueberry Garden a few years ago that won the IGF and some other really sort of off the wall and creative stuff coming out of this, you know, Scandinavia area. So I wouldn't say that there's any I mean, it's definitely there's no boundary, <laughs> I would say. Um
0: IGF's out there and you got the Paxton out there and a lot of other indie award ceremonies. Are there's is there gonna be like a conflict of interest trying to get people from those sections to get onto the indie game stand? Are you like Amazon um, and saying you can only be here at this time?
2: Right. I actually don't think there'll be a problem with IGF or PAX 10 finalists, because those are really more awards and, uh, you know, featured, you know, I mean, PAX 10 is obviously for PAX, the show, and they choose 10 games to sort of spotlight and give some floor space to at the show, and obviously recognition of the award itself. So I don't really see any conflict with any IGF games or um, PAX, games, but uh, there have been some developers that we've talked to who are interested in our site who have exclusivity deals with some of the other bundle sites around and might need to wait for they can be featured on our site.
1: I was about to ask if you you felt like you were competing with Humble Bundle.
2: I, I don't think we are directly, but I mean, indirectly, I guess we sort of are. I don't think... Same product? Yeah, I mean, you know, any of the games that are in Humble Bundle, we'd be more than happy to feature on our site. I mean, my type of thing is there's no... We don't have any sort of exclusivity or anything like that on our site. You know, we really want to be a tool for the developer. We don't want to be like exclusive, you know, we don't want to bar developers because they're a one-man team or because they don't make a Linux game or a Linux build. You know, we want to be open and flexible uh, for any game that's good and decent, you know, that we enjoy playing. You know, there are some great games out there that are only for PC and Mac that are just automatically can't be in, you know, Humble Bundle because of that, unless they expend the money to create a Linux build, I guess. And there are some games that were on the Humble, you know, the Humble Bundle, years ago, and they may want to be promoted and spotlighted again, and we're completely open to that. So I'm sure that there's some competition, but sort of how we see it is we're, we're not looking to compete with them as much as we're looking to provide a service to developers. Sounds good. Now, are you just focusing
0: just on PC and computer games, or are you looking for mobile apps?
2: Right. Obviously, it's very easy to support Mac, PC, and Linux, and uh, that's something we have. It's pretty easy to support Android, so that's something our developer portal can already do, and I think we have a developer or two who's uploaded you know, some Android builds. We'd love to figure out how to do other stuff, but obviously, stuff like iPhone and Xbox, you know, there's these barriers to entry where unless we work with Microsoft and figure out a way to get the games to people uh, in a good fashion, like we're not able to do. But yeah, I mean, it'd be awesome if we could do that.
0: Yeah, I've heard the financial entry into getting an Xbox indie game is a little on the harsh side.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, both Microsoft and and Apple want to control the distribution process of that so much where I'm not sure our model would work great for, you know, someone who has an iPhone game because it is pay what you want, you know, and iPhone games are only a buck and, you know, Apple takes 20%, I think, already. So how are you going to, you know, how is that going to work with us? I I think Android and stuff like that works because, you know, one of the Android games that we have in there where someone's uploaded the Android file, it's a game that's also for PC, Mac and Linux. So you're really, just buying the game and you're getting it on all the platforms that we can offer. It's not like, uh, you know, you're only getting the Android version or something.
1: Now, Mike, are you willing to disclose, you, you commented how Apple takes 20%, are you willing to disclose how much you guys are taking?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's actually in our FAQ. We're taking 20% too, just like Apple. Um, we are asking that 10% um, goes to a charity of developers choosing. So the breakdown is 70% to the developer, 10% to the ch- a charity of their choosing, not our choosing, and then 20% to ourselves to support, you know, the bandwidth and marketing and just regular upkeep of the site. Okay. And well,
0: I'm guessing if they're running for Apple, it's about the same amount. I think the developers would be okay with that?
2: Yeah. I, I, we haven't gotten any pushback on the percentage. You know, I think people feel it's pretty fair. Um, you know, there's sites out there that take a lot more. You know, Steam doesn't disclose how much they take, but I've heard they give, you know, around 70% to the developer. There are sites that are like Big Fish Games and stuff, which only gives like 60% to the developer. So, And there's people like Apple. I mean, let's be honest, honest, Apple's a great platform, but if you put your iPhone game up there, it's not like Apple's really going to do anything for you to promote your game. You know? You're giving them 20% just to be on their platform. And I really believe that our site is is a marketing tool where we are doing something for you. We're putting you on the front of our homepage. And you know, just from our pre-launch, we have, we, in, the, in the past week, we added over 12,000 users, you know, registered double opt-in users. So we're creating an account on our site now. So, you know, we're going to have that user base too, which I expect to grow sort of as we release games and as we, as we mature.
0: So, Mike, what's the last uh, indie game that you've played?
2: I've been playing Mark of the Ninja, FTL, and uh, Snapshot. Those are the last three I've played in the last week.
0: Well, let's see. Dave's gonna be reviewing FTL. We had uh, who did Mark of the Ninja? We had him on the show, didn't we? Clay. Yeah, it was from Please. Clay Entertainment. The name escapes me.
2: Yeah, they're, they're a bigger studio too, so they're pushing mm-hmm. if they're indie or not. But that's okay. I still like them. So that, but
1: like right there, that's the the borderline of indie, right? I mean, oh, that's yeah, kind of definitely a...
2: borderline. There are people. So, who say they're not, and there are people that say they would. They would be.
1: Right, so my question then is you know, if they wanted to feature Mark of the Ninja or whatever they're working on next, would you?
2: Uh, I would try to take it on a title-by-title title basis. So Mark of the Ninja was published by Microsoft Studios and is an Xbox exclusive, so I don't think that can happen because of their agreement that they have in place of Microsoft. But if they had, like, yeah, Eats? I'd be, I'd be fine with Eats, because that was definitely, when they first released that game, it was definitely indie, there's no question. Shank? Shank 2 may have been EA published, I forget. Uh, it's close. I know Dan would say let them on, you know. And I know the Humble Indie Bundles let them, let them on in their bundle. So, mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know. I, they wouldn't be at the top of my list. I guess I could say that, you know. If, I would certainly set them up in our developer portal so they could check it out and get we get their feedback. But um And and I love those guys and I love their games. But, you know, when I look at all the games we have sort of in our queue, um, I wouldn't push them up to the front of our list. Because they have been featured in Humble Bundle and, and the EA Bundle or whatever it was on steam the ea indie bundle which is just sort of ironic
0: (laughs) now having handpicked the selection on your queue for this have you been noticing that you've been kind of stuck in a genre rut at all or have you been able to pick wildly
2: (laughs) honestly i feel like i've just overthought that process like way too much I cannot wait until we have the calendar <laughs> in the developer portal so people can request a date so we don't have to figure out what games make an order. Our general rule of thumb has been, you know, we have games that are PC-only, so we're trying to not feature, you know, PC-only games back-to-back-to-back-to-back. To back to back to back. We're trying to break up the genre so it's not RPG, RPG, RPG. And we're trying to uh, vary the platforms that uh, the game, the, you know, the, the keys, uh, platforms as far as the Sur and Steam and, and GOG are concerned. We have keys for all of them, so we're trying, we're trying to mix in games that have... If we have a game that's only on Desura and only for, like, PC and Mac, we want to have a game that's on, you know, maybe Steam next, or Steam and Desura next. You know, we're trying to just vary it and keep it, keep it varied as much as possible. Genres, too. There are a lot of factors that go into it. <laughs> you know, quality of the game, mm-hmm. what it's available on, the keys that are available, genre of the game, and then bonus materials that are available for the game. So all those things sort of go into our decision-making process, and I don't really have a great formula that gives you the result of what order it comes out of. You know, it's just hand-picked what what sort of makes sense to us when we discuss it.
0: I can't believe Dasura is still around, not to harp against it but it it's seems like on doing computers pretty well i think i actually think it's doing pretty well too but to me pc gaming and steam almost go hand
2: in hand now so- i agree but i mean look at look at a uh, green and steam and you know they've had all these submissions and i think they've only approved 10 games yeah look at the sur where like you can just submit your game easily like anybody can submit a game easily and eventually you'll get like they they approve and give you a response pretty quickly and even if you're not approved you can still have your game game up there, you know, searchable, you know, in their indie database or mod DB pages and everything.
0: True. It's just, I'm always surprised when there's something else out there.
2: You gotta have competitors out there. I mean... Right.
0: You need
1: to drive innovation.
2: Yeah. And I think Steam, I think Desura to, to an extent has, you know, made Steam go create this green light, you know, this green light feature that everyone's been obsessed with. You know, to me, I was sort of like, okay, great. They're finally catching up with, like, Desura, who you can just submit your game, and they'll respond and tell you why or, you know, if it's, acceptable, it's accepted, it'll just and if it's not accepted, they'll tell you. Why not? They're pretty liberal with accepting titles, too. So,
0: So, Mike, how would a developer go about getting a a game into the Indie Game Stand?
2: Right. So uh, on our website, in the sidebar, there's a Submit Your Game uh, button. And if you're logged in, if you have an account with Indie Game Stand, you're logged in, uh, it'll actually make the process a lot quicker because when you submit your game, uh, we'll have your username and we can go in and allow that username to have access to our developer portal. You can submit whether or not you're logged in, but if you are logged in, in we get that username and we won't have to email you back saying what's your username or register and create a username we can just approve you but it's just a quick form ask like the name of your game a link to your studio website a youtube we ask for a youtube video and then we have like a comment section and uh i think we ask you what your favorite color is just for the fun of it or something but it's just a really (laughs) quick easy form you know our process right now is you know to watch to watch the game video and check out your website just sort of see where you are on the spectrum of indie game developers and to sort of see where your game is and what it looks like if, if we like what we see We'll just email you back real quick, telling you that you can log into the developers portal, or uh, we'll ask you what your username is if that's not included in the email.
0: So, how has your pre-launch promotion uh, with Chester been going?
2: Uh, it's been going good. Um, the, the biggest surprise I think we've had is that uh, how many more users. You know, I think we're counting the downloads on the page, and I think like less than half of the people that have signed up have downloaded the game. So, our download tracker is actually tracks completed downloads. So it doesn't. If you just click the download button and, like, cancel it or something, it doesn't count. It actually counts only if you've completely downloaded the whatever size file it is. I think it's, like, 65 megabytes or something. 109.3. So only if you finish that download does that counter increase. And it's obviously unique by IP, too. So we're sort of surprised that we have 12,000 users that signed up and only, like, 4,000 have downloaded the game. But it is in their game mall. Maybe they're just going to download it later when they have time. I don't know. I mean, there's certainly no rush to download it, I guess.
1: (laughs) Being one of those people, I wasn't aware it was actually released. I thought that it would be released when the site went live.
2: Right. So, I mean, for whatever reason, I I mean, everyone who signed up is certainly going to get it for free. So it's not a problem or anything. But I think that was the biggest surprise we've had so far. It's like, oh, like people are signing up like crazy, but they don't want to play a free game. Okay, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. I mean, they'll still have it whenever they want to play it.
1: Yep. Or they're waiting for the Steam key. Maybe that's it.
2: Yeah, well. It's to the developer, whether or not he wants to upload those. Um, it's not on Steam. It's on Sura.
1: Yep. Well, we do have some topics we should probably hit. Mike, was there anything else you wanted to say about uh, Indie Game Stand before we move on?
2: No, I think it's, uh, I think we've covered everything. I mean, you know, as long as everybody just, you know, I think what we really want is just, we want it to be a site that every once in a while, uh, you can certainly follow us and try to get every game that we offer, but we want to be a site where it's sort of like, you haven't checked us out in a few weeks, and you're looking for a game to play, it's like, huh, I wonder what's on Indie Game Stand, you know? I haven't checked that in a few weeks, let's check out what's on there. Like, that's sort of what we want to be. Uh, Just like Woo or Groupon is, you know, every once in a while you're like, oh, the it's coming up. I've got nothing to do. I wonder what's on Groupon. I wonder if there's a good deal for like a restaurant.
1: I get the daily email from Groupon, and I have woot on my RSS feed. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so, I mean, there's certainly people like that, and that's great, but I think I think it'd be great just to get that sort of middle-of-the-ground person who's just sort of into indie games and every once in a while wants something, you know, to see, or see what's out there. So anything, you know, that's all we really want to be, is a place where people can check out, you know, a great indie game.
0: I love the point that you have about if you missed the last deal, you still actually still have a chance of getting it, which I thought oh, was yeah. the coolest idea ever.
2: Yeah, we're going to, I mean, we have uh, the longest Google Doc in the world with, like, lists of features we want to add to this thing if it's successful, I mean, that's one of the best things about having Dan on board, you know, us together is that um, we're both, you know, he's a great programmer, I'm an okay programmer (laughs) and uh, we're both capable of doing stuff and we both love games and we just have like a Google list that has like so many dot points we've got like a to-do, like we must get this done before launch, we have like future stuff and like crazy long invested like this would be awesome but it would take so much time and effort but yeah I mean we've got, the bundle idea is, is, is great for people that may miss a sale and we're definitely looking at doing something a little different you know maybe maybe 2 to 4 times a year where we just feature every game we've offered again, sort of for a limited time. It's so like, this is the last time. But we're also talked about having stuff where you can, you can browse all the old games that have been featured on our site. So Chester, which is free now, will be available under that all games tab. You know, it'll have like, it'll be featured there and all the additional games that we feature will go into that sort of list of games. But we're going to add, we're planning to add a button on those pages where you can be like, please feature this game again. Uh, so we can take votes where if there's a game that you totally missed, you know, a year ago that may have like a thousand votes maybe we come back around to it you know if it's if people want it again and they missed it
0: i would love that yeah
2: so i mean stay tuned to us and if you have suggestions you know our support portal you know you can create new ideas for us right from that support.indiegamestand that uh, URL. You know, if you've got a new idea for us, definitely create it. If you log in there now, I think you'll see that we already have we've already completed a lot of the ideas that people have, that have offered up. I mean, some of them have been bugs, but we're definitely checking that out on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, there's an idea up there that's like number one right now, which we've definitely discussed internally about adding free games. And we definitely want there to be a way for people to snap free games into their game wallet um, and curate free games, because there's so many free games out there, and there's a lot of crap free games Games, but I can think of like six awesome free indie games that would be would just be so cool to have in your game wall on, on on indie game stand. So um, you know we're definitely looking at a way that we can sort of integrate that and uh, offer that feature.
0: All right, nice. Looking forward to it. So September twenty sixth, right? Yeah. Yes,
2: this, this, this comes Wednesday.
1: Wednesday. Yep. Yeah, Wednesday. So for those few of you who who actually listened to the episode early on in the week. You have to wait.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can definitely register now, and uh, you know we'll be emailing everybody who registers and signs up for our newsletter. So you can do that and play Chester while you wait. But uh, I don't even remember what time we're launching exactly. I forget if it's—I guess it's midnight on the twenty-sixth, so it'll be like twelve oh one a.m. <laughs> well, which time Eastern, zone? I assume Eastern, Eastern time zone. So it'll be like nine p.m. Pacific. So I guess technically it'll be the twenty-fifth. <laughs> <laughs> If you're
1: on the Pacific time zone. Oh time. If you're in Hawaii, out. you get to do it in the middle of the afternoon.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. Well
0: cool. So should we actually hit topics
1: now? Yeah, sure. With like a rapid fire. Humble Indie Bundle six is out. Uh it has some decent games in it this week, month, time. It's not really a weekly thing, is it? No. It's whenever you
0: whenever it wants to be.
1: Yep. Vessel. I played at PAX last year. It's an interesting little puzzle game. Torchlight, of course, everyone should hopefully have heard of by now, especially with the recent release of Torchlight 2. Shatter is kind of an Arkanoid-style game, and I have not played Space Pirates and Zombies
2: well, that's a shame. That's one of, one of the best games in the bundle. Is it? Yeah, in my opinion, Dust Force and probably uh, Space Pirates and Zombies are the two best games in the bundle. Mm. Yeah,
1: I've, I've heard of Spaz. I've just never actually gotten to sit down and go through it.
2: it it's it's time-consuming. I, I mean, it yeah. will suck your life away. The biggest negative to it is that it's sort of uh, very grindy. You know what I mean? I mean, you can. Mm. I think I've logged like eight hours in it, and I've only explored like two-thirds of the galaxy or something. I mean, it's just like incredibly grindy where you have to just like, you know, do the same task over and over again to, like, upgrade your ship. You know, like in, like sort of an old-school RPG except it's in space. But so it's a lot like uh, Star Control. I don't know if you've ever played, like, Star Control 2. I have not. You know, old-school PC game but re- highly regarded as one of the best PC games ever. Probably one of my favorites of all time. Uh, Spadge is very similar to that, which I like.
0: I gotta start Dust making For- a list of games that people bring up during the podcast that I should...
2: <laughs> <laughs> Dust Force is shorter. So if you've got less time, that's, that's something you can pick up and play. And that's sort of more about speedrun and things so you get you can play through most of the levels pretty quickly all
0: right well we've got 10 days left on that one well yep eight days when this airs so you still have another week to go don't put it off though. Just no. go do it.
1: Yeah, so humble bundle six. What else we have? Slashdot. Yes. Slashdot's the one that was based out in Dexter, wasn't it? Yep. And is it still based in Dexter?
0: Yes. Okay. It is,
1: however, new owners.
0: Yeah. Dice. How much
1: did they DICE owns it?
0: Dice now owns Slashdot. And SourceForge, which is a place to go for open source software. And free code. i never actually have known what free code is.
2: Yeah, I don't know about anything.
0: But the other I've two most either. people have heard about yeah, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you've heard about Slashdot. And they they spent how much on this? Twenty million dollars. Wow. Well, Slashdot is still it's not as big as it used to be, but it's still, like they say, has three point seven million unique users per month. Three point seven million. That's not chump change. No, no, it's not. But like, there's I can't imagine there's a lot of ad revenue coming in from Slashdot. I there's, there's just enough not that, that many ads on it. According to the Forbes article, when they actually was like, why is Dice buying SlashDot? I think they said like, "They SlashDot is still making money from ad revenue at its current state. Yes, it's losing members, so at, at some point it's not going to be financially feasible. how
2: expensive feasible. is it to like, run, really?
1: Yeah, I mean, most of it's user-submitted content anyway. That is true. So you need to pay for the servers and a little bit of
0: staff. Yeah, they're having their 15th anniversary coming up next month. You I go. mean
2: SourceForge is the most valuable thing in that in my opinion. Yeah,
0: oh, yeah. There's tons of free software in there.
2: Yeah. And their ads are like well placed and take up you know what I mean? So people will always use that. Yeah. That can't be dying.
1: Twenty million dollars in cash.
2: I mean it's I that's it's not that surprising. I mean, two well known sites, twenty million. I mean it's it's high, but I mean it's nothing like YouTube ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> two billion dollars or, or what was the offer that Groupon turned down? Wasn't it like a billion or something from Google?
0: Something. I mean, Instagram was a billion, wasn't it? It it was ridiculous. No matter what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, this one kind of makes sense though, because Dice is all looking for. That's the job posting site for all the IT jobs, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Well, now they have a huge user base through Slashdot.
2: Yeah, and they can advertise. They can use some of. They can advertise. They can use sell some of their own services through those sites. Probably. That's true. I mean, I think it sort of makes sense. It's like a reasonable figure for two two well known sites. The third one we haven't heard of, but uh, you know, it's not crazy. I don't know if it's twenty mil, but I mean, it's within the ballpark. Probably. Yeah.
0: It's it's not ridiculous. It's just newsworthy, which is why I yeah, posted on here. I don't know if I'm actually going to go to Slashdot's 15 year anniversary. I went to the 10 year anniversary. I shook Commander Taco's hand. Mm-hmm.
2: Is it? What is it? Close to where you guys live? Is it something like in person? Like an in person party? Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah, because they were, he originally went to U of M, didn't he? When he started it. You're was in his, asking you know, the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, but yeah, it, it's pretty local. It was a lot more local when I was on the other side of Michigan because it was 10 <laughs> minutes away. But now it's an hour away, and I could go meet the current runners of. Slashdot. Meat dice. Yeah. I don't know if I, I don't know, because that's what I liked was Commander Taco out of Slashdot. I'm not sure if, I don't know. Slashdot right now, I'm more interested in the news from it than the users. Yeah. I think the only reason I actually registered on Slashdot was to go to the 10-year anniversary party.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm not even registered at Slashdot. I just use Reddit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I go to Reddit for the puppies. (laughs) <laughs> the puppies? The puppies. And the baby. Yeah. for some reason, there's like baby tigers all over Reddit right now. It's ridiculous. Baby tigers, baby jaguars.
2: Well, it all depends on what subreddit you're on. That's probably like the cute subreddit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Slash r slash all. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's my favorite
1: subreddit.
0: <laughs> so let's see what else we got here going on. Oh, Walmart has decided to stop selling the Amazon Kindle.
1: Yeah, this is kind of interesting. Um, the, so there's two takes on it that I see. One, Walmart realized
0: they're selling a competitor's product. That's the thing what most people are saying is, wait a second, like Walmart versus Amazon now.
1: Yeah, this is just like the, wait, we can't support you anymore because you're destroying our business. The other side of it is Walmart has been known to kind of make their own stuff. So is Walmart then preparing in some way, shape or form
0: to distribute their own e-reader?
2: Well, then why aren't they still selling like iPad now and stuff?
0: Yeah, they're still selling the iPads. They're still selling the Nooks. They're still selling the the Kobo, I think it is, Mm -hmm. that third-party (gasps) e-reader. So So mostly
1: it's just we can't support Amazon anymore because they're destroying our business.
2: It's got to be that, right? Because, I mean, if someone buys – I mean, it doesn't make sense why they would sell the other stuff too, but maybe they'll get around to canceling the other ones.
1: Uh, They're making too much money off of selling iPads.
2: (laughs) But I mean, yeah, Amazon. Not I mean, the Kindle. You know, your ba- once you sell someone that, they basically are going to buy everything through the Kindle yep. and not your store. So.
0: Yeah, my wife's got a Kindle, and I don't think she's bought any other books outside of the Kindle.
2: Yeah, store. I mean, I have a Kindle. I love. I've got an iPad too, but I would never read a book on an iPad.
0: yeah, paperback books. You bought a paperback book. <laughs> that was a used paperback book. That doesn't count. <laughs> I don't know last in any case <laughs> this is the problem having her right next to me is it you asked me yeah i know it's my fault for asking you i'm well sorry hold on
1: andy on the bookshelf for
0: a new book all right moving on so <laughs> speaking of the ipad and the ios devices the iphone 5 5- went live. And,
1: well, the iPhone 5 didn't go live, but iOS 6 went live.
0: No, I thought the the sales have already happened.
2: No, no, I, yeah, I think you're right. Wasn't yeah. it like... They happen? I yeah, thought people like, were still standing in line.
0: Yeah. Well, they probably were from the amount of iPhone 5s that were being sold. It's ridiculous. Oh, okay. iPhone 5's sales match the i4s month figure in three days.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, I don't know what to say about all that. Like, I've said it all already. You're not a big iOS fan, Dave? No. Well, you've never no. been a big iOS right. fan. What okay. am I talking about?
1: Yeah, just no. No, no, no.
2: Here's what I I think it was. I think part of it's the success of it has been sort of two things. One, you know, they actually incremented the damn number. It's actually the 5, not like the 4S, which was just like... 4SX. Yeah, people who wanted to buy the 4S, who had like the 4, pie like, F that, I'll just wait for the 5 because this isn't like a true new version. So yeah, I think that's some of it. I, I also think that the, uh, what was that, the uh, lawsuit they just won against Samsung and Android created some fear about people who liked Android phones. And I think, you know, the iPhone's been on Verizon now for a while. You know, it's sort of, when did Verizon first get it? Like a year ago? A mm-hmm. year and a half ago? And that I think. So, so people who maybe didn't didn't get an iPhone right away when Verizon got it, you know, their two-year contract's up and they can get a new iPhone 5 or, you know, with the new two-year contract for like $200. bucks. hmm Because Verizon's a lot bigger than AT&T.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: 83% of the buyers were upgrading from the previous version of the iPhone compared to just 73% for people who were upgrading when the 4S came out and 77% when the 4 came out. So a lot of people, I guess, were like, screw this 4S crap, iPhone 5. 48% were on AT&T, 35% on Verizon, and 17% on Sprint.
2: Right. So I'd be interested to see the percent that... Verizon had like on the 4S because that's got to be a bigger percent.
0: Probably. Because yeah, as soon as the iPhone came on Verizon, everybody just scooped that thing up like it was going out of style.
2: Right. Because they, had. I mean, I know for me, I was a, you know, I hate AT&T. I think their service sucks. I mean, Singular, I was with them and they were just terrible. Um, and Verizon's coverage is a lot better and their customer support's a lot better. So when the iPhone first came out, I was like, that looks pretty cool, but F that, I don't want to be on AT&T. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I actually had to buy an AT&T phone Why did you have to buy an AT&T phone? Because my job's north of Kalamazoo, out in the middle of nowhere, and for some odd reason, AT&T's the only one who's got service out there. And T-Mobile and AT&T dropped some of their um, roaming agreements. So even though my T-Mobile phone can see the AT&T network, I'm not allowed to register on it. Wow. Because there's a T-Mobile network close by, even though it's not so as... So,
1: do you do you have two phones now, or... I currently
0: have two phones right now, yes. One of them is sitting off while the other one is on. And then when I go to work, I'll put the You'll other one them. into airplane mode, and then I will uh, turn my other phone on. Luckily, I have Google Voice, so I've got the one number that can dial both phones.
1: Yeah, I'll just have to remember to start actually calling your Google Voice number.
0: Don't you already have that in your my fo- your phone? Your Yeah. for my phone? Anyway, moving on. <laughs> So, with the iOS coming out, iOS 6 Apple Maps came out <laughs> and promptly had crap hit the fan.
1: Wow, that was
0: poorly handled. Wait, poorly, what poorly poorly handled. So the, the, the Apple So, the Apple iOS maps 6 are
1: maps are bad. <laughs> bad. <laughs> okay. Like, things are not where they are supposed to be. It's either that the tile is, is misplaced or the actual GPS coordinates are misplaced. Uh, but things are not where they're supposed to be um, perspective satellite images are way off. There <laughs> yeah, are,
2: people are getting lost like crazy. People
1: are
0: getting lost. People are getting lost. People are not able to find what they want. And it just looks bad. Well, it's also the fact that the uh, they don't have public transportation data yet, which for most people in major cities, like in New York, people just live on public transportation.
2: Yeah, Europe too.
0: Yeah. There's like airports. I love that part. There's an airfield park in Ireland, in Dublin, and Apple iOS labeled it as an airport. It's not an airport. It's a park. Oops. So, yeah, um, sometimes searching for London will get you London, Canada rather than London, UK. So, yeah, there's some issues right now.
2: They'll fix it eventually, probably. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's certainly bad publicity, but, I mean, they just had record numbers. They don't give a shit.
0: Yeah, that's very true. That's what they said, is it, it's going to get better once we have users, you know. <laughs> Honest, once people are using it, it'll be fine. Uh, that's the problem with crowdsourcing, is you need yes, a.
1: You're not going to get them to use it until it is fine.
0: Yeah. So what else we got going on here? Oh. I don't
1: know. Google's having a lot of fun with this, by the way. They started the I lost hashtag. Uh,
0: ha, ha, ha. That's funny. Uh, so what else? Um, Fox. Fox
1: Fire? No, like 20th Century Fox. Oh, like Fox TV Fox. Fox TV and Fox Movies. Okay. And, you know, like we're releasing things on Blu-ray Fox. Um, Turns out Fox is going to be doing something a little different than typical. They're going to be releasing digital only uh, formats prior to the actual Blu-ray.
2: Hmm. Are the digital copies going to be cheaper than the Blu-ray?
0: $15.
2: So what's a Blu-ray like 30 bucks. So it's like half price. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: Three weeks ahead of launch. Now, is this a, I'm hoping this is a purchase and not a rental, because that would be ridiculous if it was a rental. That would be really ridiculous. Uh, I don't see it saying one way or the
1: other. Uh, Laura just pointed out, though, it's only this movie, which is Prometheus, will be three weeks. If it is successful, they'll start moving it down to two weeks before launch.
0: But still, that's two weeks. Granted, I'm now finally catching up on movies I haven't seen in a while, thanks to Amazon Instant Video. I have the student version of Amazon Prime. Which doesn't get it. I don't get that instant video thing. No, but you're also paying half as much as I am. Yeah. Well, but I'm also getting like a quarter of the services. Hmm. Get yourself a Kindle. Then it'll be definitely worth it okay. to get the full version. Because then you can rent uh, a free book every month. Yep. So that 80 bucks can easily pay for itself yep. within a year.
2: It's a good deal. I like that Amazon Prime. Which is
0: why probably Walmart dropped the Amazon. Because... Oh, you you get the Kindle, you start watching movies and getting books, you suddenly realize, hey, Amazon Prime is a good deal. And just on a side note, oh yeah, you get free two day shipping on most things. And now most of our Christmas shopping is through Amazon.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. That's the rule. We we signed up like a few months ago and the rule now in my house is if you want something you have to order on Amazon Prime. (laughs) It's not available on there.
0: (laughs) And now there's more and more stuff on there. I think Dave, didn't we in like an early episode figure out that you could build yourself a house just by ordering everything off of Amazon? That I don't recall. I think you could buy the lumber. You could buy the, the construction equipment. I think you could buy most of the stuff you needed to actually build yourself a house.
1: Almost definitely buy the books that tell you how to do it.
0: I wonder – I should just send an email to Amazon and say, hey, for a marketing thing, I would like to see if I could build a house. <laughs> Using material <laughs> Using nothing Amazon. but a laptop. And Amazon. And people for labor? I'll do it myself. You will build an entire house yourself? Yes, just using Amazon. Okay. You go and do that, Andy. I probably don't have the time. Right. (laughs) Like, kind of cool. Great idea. More power to you. Uh, That's not going to happen. So speaking of e-books. Yes? Most of the uh, big six publishers are not really favorable to libraries and e-books, even though that's probably where everything's heading. I mean, we've known about that for a long time. Yeah, Random House has increased the wholesale price of ebooks it offers to libraries by as much as three hundred percent. Hatchet has increased ebook prices for libraries by two hundred and twenty percent. Penguin ended its relationship with Overdrive, which is one of the things that th- it's one of the big there's three basic big programs for libraries and ebooks. There's Overdrive, 3M Cloud, and you know, like Access something something. I forget uh da Axis three sixty. So now Penguin cut off its relationship with Overdrive and no longer distributes e-books. I don't understand what – are they just greedy or what? I do not know. That's all I can think of is the, the book companies are like, well, wait a second. We probably could get I mean, some more money off of these.
1: You know, well, so some of the stuff is that when a library purchases a physical copy, they only have the one copy. Yes. They absolutely can only lend it out once, rather to one person at a time, and they have to store it.
0: With an ebook, you just have to store a file, which you could copy multiple times. Right. Now, Except I, in the case of HarperCollins, which allows ebooks to be checked out only 26 times before the library has to buy a new copy. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I read that. I was like, wait, you're only allowed to check the book out 26 times, and then you have to buy a new copy of it? Uh,
1: what What might be interesting to find out is what's the average
0: checkout lifetime of a real book. Well, we know some librarians. We probably could ask them. Yep. Cat. <laughs> so,
1: they're, they're screwing with libraries and the ebooks there. Yes. Unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Okay. What else we got? End of the PC era. Yes. Question mark.
0: There was a report that was put out that said DRAM, which is the RAM that's used in RAM. Yeah. Um well as, yeah, okay. But it's basically the, the mass market RAM. Yeah. For the it's the first time since the nineteen eighties, desktop based RAM is not the majority, sold. So okay. what is the
2: majority sold.
0: So what's being sold now is all the RAM for portable devices, i.e. smartphones, laptops. Uh, okay. But I mean, hmm. are you saying this is not a? Because you're going to need a RAM for a computer, whether it be a new computer or an upgrade of an old computer, you're still going to need
1: this. Is, okay, there have been many signs about the fall of the desktop, and yes, desktops are definitely, definitely being reduced as far as public consumption, as far as. Uh, people's primary means of interfacing with the computer. Yes, desktop computers are, are falling away. That's been going on for years. This is not the first sign. This is not the definitive sign. This is just, hey, here's what's going on.
2: That's why I put a question time.
1: mark. You know, there's there's always going to be a demand for high performance gaming.
2: Well, not even gaming. I mean, like, how about the usability of like a computer, like a desktop versus you know, in business? Well, I mean, in business, so even
1: then, I like I use a laptop at my office. My right. work has provided that's, me with a laptop instead. That's uh, still okay. Yeah, but this is talking specifically about desktops, I believe.
2: I thought it was PC. I thought it was like personal computer, like just is it PCs, PCs in general?
0: general. Andy, which one? Let's
2: see. PCs accounted
0: the of these chips going into PCs, both desktop and notebooks. Okay. Oh, screw that. No, no, no.
1: Yeah. Desktops definitely are are falling by the wayside. PCs, no. Yeah.
2: But you know what's awesome about desktops is you can get so much for your money out of them.
1: Yeah. The parts are getting so cheap.
2: And I mean, Uh, I I, I know for my office, I bought a desktop last because it was like for $600, I can get like a top-of-the-line PC gaming machine. And I'm like, you know what? I really don't carry my laptop around that much. When I do work, I want to be, I work at the same desk, like with my laptop plugged in. So why am I spending extra money just making it portable when I'm not using it to be yep. portable. that's like, exactly like what i'm, I'm doing i'm <laughs> aiming
1: but you know video editing photo editing anything that involves processing still need a, a
2: pc and mobile devices are great and people like use them like people that, are, but i mean you know let's be honest some of the people that are like using their phones all the time and ipads and stuff are like teenagers and you know they're not really being productive with them You know, they're texting with friends and, you know, I I just don't see, like, I don't see myself going into an office and being like, oh, I need to, like, write a story for the magazine. Let me get on my iPad and type on that. Oh, God.
0: Yeah, that, no, no. <laughs> yeah, there's only so much typing I can do on my screen using swipe, and then I'll switch to the flip-up keyboard for the QWERTY, but even then, there's a limit on how much I can type on that QWERTY keyboard on my phone.
2: Yeah, even responding to emails, you know, I mean, obviously, we all probably get our emails on our phone, but there's a limit to how long of an email I will reply to and how urgent it is on my phone. Otherwise, I'll just be like, ah, eh, I'll wait till I get back to computer so I can do it faster.
1: Yep, canned email responses. I've got a couple on my phone where it's like, I will reply to this as soon as I get to a PC. Yeah. I'm
0: sorry. You are not important enough. I got your message. Not using my phone for this. No. Uh, Let's see. Final bits of knowledge. There's a new PS3 model out. Woo! It's smaller than the last one. It
1: also has no
0: internal hard drive or something, or some significantly reduced internal hard drive. It's got a 250 gigabyte and a 500 gigabyte hard drive. Oh.
2: Jesus Christ. That's huge.
0: These are large hard drives. What that is a large hard drive on a...
2: Throwing hard drive at
0: you. <gasps> this thing is 25% smaller than the Slim. And we all know how small the Slim was compared to the original PS3. So how much is it? Let's see, the 250 gigabyte version would be... 270. Uh, yeah, 270, with the 500 gigabyte being 300. That is okay. a... He- Maybe it's Whoa. Who needs a five hundred gigabyte hard drive maybe, maybe it's for a PS3. Buy a PS3.
2: <laughs> I don't know, man. People always throw storage at you. I mean the only I mean Xbox when it first came out what was it, like 20 gigabytes? Yeah. I think after three years, I finally filled that up, and then I got the Red Ring of Death, so I bought an Xbox Elite and got more hard drive. But other than that, which is pretty low, I have an older PlayStation 3. I don't even think I'm close to filling it up. It was like 60 or 80 or something like that.
1: I mean, at this point, with 500 gigabytes,
0: you're just going to use it as network storage. <laughs> I use it to just rip all my disks to the, the hard drive, because it's quieter. <laughs> That's all I do. That's all. I, literally, you could probably go to my storage on my Xbox right now and look at it, and I'd say 90% of the hard drive space used is just disk rips. Yep. That way it doesn't sound like an aircraft carrier is
2: <laughs> deciding
0: to go off or something. Not an aircraft carrier. A rocket? Rocket, well, yeah, that would be good. The
2: PlayStation 3 is quieter in general. I mean, it's not loud at all.
0: I don't know. They, we only had our original PS3 for about 30 days.
2: <laughs> it looks good I guess. I mean, it's a good deal. I'm, I mean, it's not a, I'm just curious
0: to see what uh, Black Friday deals are going to be coming out over the holidays.
1: Yeah, it's a good deal. Except we're heading into the holiday season, so we'll probably get even better deals then. And I'm giving them another. This is going to be the last holiday season, I think, for the PS3. Um,
2: That's a bold statement. I don't know about that.
1: <laughs> well, because they're going to, they've got to announce the the next gen soon. And you're just going to say they're,
0: gonna, they're going to announce the next-gen and release it the same year? It's going to be
1: close, because once they announce the next-gen, they've stopped their sales. No one will buy the PS3.
2: Didn't PlayStation 2 do awesome, like, years after they announced PlayStation, PlayStation 2 is
1: still doing awesome, actually. <laughs> It's it's still selling very well, surprisingly.
2: Yeah, I think, I think I think Sony's a little different like with their model of console gaming. I mean That's true.
1: And they did say know. 10 year release cycle. Yeah, I and don't think they've, they've been sticking to that pretty well.
2: I mean, if you if you look at what like the PlayStation 3 can do, like it's I mean, some of the games that like it came out in its first year still look better than some of the stuff that Xbox getting now. That's true. I mean, I think it's it is a there's no question it's more powerful than Xbox.
0: No, that's that's definitely true.
1: Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I I think I will still hold off for
0: a little bit.
2: Yeah, what was that new uh, Metal Gear game? What was that running on? Was that PlayStation 3? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that looked fucking awesome.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it did. God, there's just always those couple of games I'd want to play on the PS3, but I don't think it's worth the $300 to play Uncharted and Metal Gear.
1: You could always just go to Walmart, Andy, (laughs) where you can no longer buy a Kindle, but you can still buy a PlayStation 3 and take it back within 30 days. True. Do you remember when uh, video rental stores did console rentals? Yes. Why don't they still do that?
2: Are there any video rental stores left?
1: There's a family video across the street from my apartment.
0: <gasps> I was going to say, both the blockbusters in our area, er- no, all three of the blockbusters in our area went out of business.
2: Yep. Do you guys have Redbox? They sell, they, they rent video games. Yep, we have Redbox. They
1: do games, but they don't do game consoles.
2: Oh, yeah. They can't fit them in their little machines.
1: Right? <laughs> like it's got to dispense a PlayStation 3. <laughs> comes out the slot on the side. Well, with this new super slim model, it is
0: I, pretty tiny.
1: I, I did see something that was really, really underhanded with a red box. Uh, someone took a DVD and went to a photocopier and made a paper copy of the DVD and put that back into the red box.
0: You do know they have your credit card information, right? Yes, you do know that it just scans the barcode.
2: Yeah, but it's going to scan the barcode, and then when they check the machine or something, it'll get reported eventually. Either someone will rent that, they'll get it, and they'll go to like the customer support on. Red- box.com or the attendant will come and like say it and they'll scan the barcode and they'll find like the last three people to check it out
1: yeah and but I you will still have to investigate that yeah
2: it's
0: like the people who found out that at one point you could actually put your driver's license in the gas card machine and it would accept it and you could pump gas yeah except then it has your driver's license yeah then that's the thing is like then it has your driver's license information so they could tell exactly who was doing it <laughs> so you got free gas for a bit But then you got in trouble. Yeah, it's not good. (sighs) All right. Yeah, we should wrap up, Dave. So, give me a review of FTL. The review of FTL.
1: Okay. So, FTL. First off, it was, I believe, the the kind of first completed game from Kickstarter. Now, that's they went into Kickstarter having it basically done. It was just looking for money to get it out. Um, they did, it was successful, they published the game it is a roguelike-like space simulator which it took me a long time to understand what that actually means because I wasn't familiar with the term roguelike but it basically is old style text based RPG mush type stuff it's really really fun it's really really hard I've been playing on easy mode I have 15 hours clocked in the last two weeks I have not yet beaten the game (laughs)
2: It is pretty hard. I, I've been playing it, too. What's the farthest sector you got to? Got to? I, I've gotten
1: to sector 8. I've gotten to the final sector. I've gotten to the second phase of the four-phase boss, <laughs> and it kills me every time.
2: I haven't gotten to the boss yet
1: oh man it is so you you start first off it's the the story is this brilliant reversal of the classic you're running from the evil empire you actually are the empire you are the federation you are running from the rebels who are trying to kill you Hmm, that's a bit of a twist
2: well how do
1: you know the empire is evil you, I, I, I never actually said the empire was evil i just said you are part of the
2: empire yeah, okay. It could
1: so, be a good empire. Though. It could be a good. It's the Federation, actually. It's not even an empire. So you know, maybe you're you're like peace and law and order, and the rebels are pure anarchy. Uh, the rebels seem to be far better organized and equipped than you are, though. <laughs> um, so you you are fleeing from this ever advancing rebel fleet. So your territory is always shrinking. The available places you can go is always shrinking, uh, and then you get to the next sector. And well, you
2: can go. You can go to a Federation occupied star.
1: Yeah, don't, don't. You don't want to. You really don't want to. Um, and then I basically, um, I think it was Tycho from Penny Arcade put it the best way of like, it's a board game on your computer. I could totally see this being a board game, a card game where you have an event deck and every time you jump to a new system, you flip the deck. Yeah. So every time you jump to a new star, you have some sort of encounter, whether it's, hey, try and help these people, or hey, you found a scout ship that's about to jump away and report you, or there's a store here and now you can start buying and selling things. Hmm. And the the whole kind of goal of the game is to upgrade your ship enough and purchase the right material and purchase the right stuff that, at the very end of it you are able to survive this boss fight (laughs) it's really well designed it's very simplistic it's incredibly easy to pick up uh it is 10 bucks that's not bad i'd I'd compare it kind of to some of the other games at like five or the five to seven range 10 bucks for this game actually does feel a little steep but i'd actually say it's worth it
0: okay I'm still watching the videos of this thing, and it—I it, could see how you're claiming it looks like a board game online. Yeah, I because mean, it definitely looks like a board game online. unfortunately, I'd, I'd love like, to see this multiplayer.
2: I, I really got into it when I was like traveling, because obviously, because it's like not graphic intense or anything. Like, I could play it on my crappy laptop, like when I'm sitting waiting for stuff. You know, and it's one of those games like you can die really quickly, <laughs> but and it's really easy to like go away from it and or leave it on while you're doing something else. So I really yeah. like that aspect of it. Too makes me play it more because it's like oh I can do one event leave it open or just close and it'll save your progress.
0: I love games that do that. Like no matter where you are, you're just able to quit. Have you yeah, got a no, big
2: ship yet? What
0: Have you taken over another
1: ship yet?
2: Uh With the, the crew teleporter or whatever?
1: With the crew teleporter or just by like asphyxiating the other ship?
2: Yeah, yeah, I've done these I got this. Yeah, I've done both. You killed other people, Dave? It's a good <laughs> strategy, actually.
1: So there's a whole range of weapons, and a couple of the weapons involve... Um, I mean, you can use them together, so you can use, like, an ion bomb that you teleport onto their ship, and you can disrupt their oxygen system, and then you can break, uh, breach their hull and start fires, and yeah. Man, that sounds a little evil. <laughs> it's really fun, actually. <laughs> yeah, what to do to asphyxiate the other ship.
2: It's good. I think you get more scrap if you do that. Yep. <laughs>
0: Asphyxiation. It's the way to go. It's hard. All right. Well, FTL Dave gives it a thumbs up. Yeah. I have not played it.
2: I definitely give it a thumbs up.
0: Mike gives it a thumbs up. I'll, I'll give Mike my thumbs. Okay. That sounded a little weird. mail those, I don't think you can mail body parts through the mail. No, you can. I learned that in the post office training. Is that a hazardous material? Mm-hmm. Okay. Random review... Random topic. We random need... topic. I rolled ahead of time. What is your guilty pleasure song? Oh, dear. Um. So, lately... Let me see if I can find this. Let's see what I've got on my music list that would not be surprising. Um, I've got some Aaron Carter on here. Yes, Aaron Carter. Mm. I need to... Uh, Biz Marquis. Singing Just a Friend... When you're the only one in the car, all off key and such, that's pretty much a guilty pleasure. (laughs) Oh! How did I suspect that was going to show up?
1: That would be uh, my newest guilty pleasure music. Gangnam
2: Style.
0: I think it's all those songs that was like, why is this such a big hit? Uh, Call Me Maybe. That was a good one. Just going yeah, online, oh, and finding all the different versions of Call Me Maybe. So
2: catchy. That's why it gives me pleasure. So damn catchy.
0: And there's always the classic Never Going to Give You Up. Uh, Journey Don't Stop Believing. Oh, no. I, I've heard that way too much in the last <laughs> weeks. I'm good with classic rock. Thank you. Oh, God. I have 2,272 songs in my iTunes right now. This is hard to go through.
1: I mean, you could just look at iTunes and sort by, like, most played.
0: Well, see, that's the problem, though, is because I accidentally hit play sometimes, and so it just goes to the first one on my list, which is uh, Miss Murder by AFI. Mm. So that has the most plays out of the bunch. See, Jessica comes in second, but you already knew that, Dave. (laughs) Yeah. So, Mike, what do you listen to? in general or what's
2: my guilty pleasure a little bit of both why not uh i mean i would definitely confess to having like call me maybe as like a guilty pleasure um it's one of those songs like when i hear it like in passing on the radio it gets stuck in my head until i listen to it again and then i feel better and it goes away um in general i like uh like alternative and you know like rock stuff so like Foo fighters you know dave matthews band cd uh, rock pretty good too i can't think of anybody up above my head right now but kelly so clark's is stronger people, young the giant they're
0: good yeah stronger gets stuck in my head especially when i was at my last job we had a radio in the room because i was the only one in there so i'd listen to the radio um, but it only came in with the, uh, the Top 40 station. And in an eight-hour day, I would hear that song about three to four times. Because so if you only have Top 40, you can't really play that many songs, it seems. Well, I mean, because the Top 40 is really like the Top 5. Yeah. Over Let's over be five. honest. <laughs> so yeah, stronger in my head. That would get me going for a little bit. I'm just thinking a lot of those songs that I have I've got like No Doubt on here I've got some pink songs on here What is with me and powerful female artists?
1: There's a couple jokes in there But I'm going to withhold <laughs> making them <laughs> but Yeah, I think my most recent one would be Call Me Maybe You, you actually enjoy
0: Call Me Maybe? Yeah it's
2: pretty catchy
1: I listened to it once and I was, not a, I was not amused I was not a fan It's already going through my head again And I got a little head bob going on I'm good with Gangnam Style uh, that's where I will keep it.
0: All right, Mike, before we go, we always let our guests plug whatever they would like to plug at the end of the show. So the floor is yours.
2: Okay, um, I guess if everybody, if everybody could just check out, uh, you know, indiegamestand.com this Wednesday, and uh, it's pay what you want, but... <laughs> You know any we appreciate anything obviously the more the better and uh indiegamemag.com too you know if you want to follow games like ftl and uh you know all the other great games that are out there right now like snapshot and mark of ninja uh you know that's the kind of stuff we cover over at indiegamemagazine.com cool
1: are you guys prepared for the onslaught of um, hits on wednesday
2: i think so i mean we've got a dedicated server uh you know with a ton of ram and uh you know, the biggest thing will be if a ton of people start downloading you know the games that they're buying all at the same time we might need to look at a cloud solution um but i have a feeling that a lot of people that'll buy will just put into the steam keys which doesn't use our bandwidth so that's fine
1: yep i <laughs> that's
2: okay with us yeah so um you know we'll see i mean we we've sort of thought that through and we're ready to you know we can act if if we see that happening all right well good luck
1: on wednesday thanks guys thank you for uh, coming on we really appreciate it no no problem. thank you very much Mike
0: yeah you too
2: take it easy
0: guys this has been another episode of the Random Access Podcast if you have any questions comments concerns corrections suggestions remarks reviews rebukes retorts or just rants feel free to contact us you can find us on Twitter at RAPodcast or send us an email at mail at RAPodcast dot net thank you for listening